words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Okay, so um, I'm going to be quick. Pray for me. You've been praying for me, eh? <laughs> All right. So, um, I mean, right from when I was young, I've been having, like, dreams and all kinds of things. I've been very perceptive and, you know, what they may call intuitive, as it were. And, but I never, you know, took I never thought it meant anything. I just thought I was extra sensitive because that was how I was described by the world. Um, but as I grew and as I got to know God, um, I started realizing that what it was was from before I was born, I was already awakened to the knowledge of him and awakened to a realm within which not just him exists, within which another life exists. And so I will go to bed and I will have dreams of things that are to come, things that are going to happen, or I will see things about people and it was accurate and, you know, um, just things that are going to happen, as it were. So, but as I grew in God, I started reading the word, I started understanding, I started realizing that indeed it is possible to step away from this very obvious material world and to be able to step into this world where you engage with God and you engage you know in the spirit to be able to come into knowledge and understanding yesterday I saw something about life after death and all of that people were talking about different things and you know people were going they made a whole documentary about it about how people, you know, the experience they have when they are stepping out of their bodies and people describe all kinds of things, you know. <laughs> and, of course, they will add, you know, different religions, different theologies, different things. And I thought, fantastic, you guys have produced such a fantastic documentary, but you are missing the very key element that will enable it to make sense to you, and that's God. So stop saying, you know, some force out there, something out there. The thing out there is God. You understand? He is the one that enables all of this to make sense. And I remember in one of the episodes, if I could, after the first episode, I couldn't watch it again because the second episode started talking about mediums. And, you know, different mediums were talking about how from when they were children, they had, you know, they could see spirits and they could channel the life of spirits. And, you know, and I remember Linda was with me and she was like, ah, but P.I., ah, these people are accurate too. I was like, yeah, they are accurate. Of course they're accurate. Because they gather people in a room, they have a conference, and the mediums are saying, you know, who is anyone here? There's a Joe, Joe, your grandfather is a Joe. I just saw him step into the room. He died about five, ten years ago. And da 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 and she was like, well, how? I said, of course, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you came into this world, I already anointed you, separated you to be a prophet. So the anointing on Jeremiah's life was not a product of the material world or the fact that he was living here. It is a product of the fact that he was already predestined to be prophetic. 
I said, so everybody that comes into this world from eternity past has already existed in God as a reality. And the moment you step in, you already carry the capacity to be able to live and work in certain offices and certain giftings. I said, but the difference is the tuning. If the Lord and Christ and the church get you first, that gift which you carry can be trained and can be tuned into the frequency of righteousness and holiness. I said, but if Satan gets you first, his work is perversion. He will take the things, he's not a creator. He's only one that perverts, that corrupts. So he's a thief. He will take what God has created. A person he has already given the ability to be discerning and then he will tune it into the frequency of hell. And she said, so how come the people, they have, she has accurate information on the people, I was like, familiar spirits. They are demons that follow generations. They are familiar spirits. The Bible calls him the old crooked serpent. So he's been here for ages. So he knows history about people. So it's very easy for him to tell you about a family. I said, so you add that with the person's natural gift, which is of no, God does not take it back. And you have accuracy. I say, of course he has to validate his ministry. So there must be a replica of what we call the prophetic in the kingdom of darkness. I said, so that's why it's necessary for us to be careful and it's necessary for us to know the truth. That's why the Bible says, so that even if an angel comes and delivers a message to you that is not in line with this gospel that we preach, you can rebuke the angel and say no. The word of God is the standard that enables you to judge truth, that enables you to discern if the substance of God is in a thing. We're talking about eternal living. I'm not talking about the perpetual loop of existence that is unending. That is not eternal life. So as we go on, I need you to understand that I am pulling you into a realm and I'm pulling you into a place of understanding and I am releasing a substance in your life and I am digging out the substance that already exists in you from the foundations of the world so that you can understand that eternal life is not a place you are trying to get into. It is a place that exists in you but has been covered and has been shielded by darkness. In Genesis 1, verse 1 to 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And then there was light. And it goes on and on and on. But it says, In the beginning. So there was a moment when the concept of time started. Before the concept of time began, there was a God that was existing. That's why if you've ever had encounters and you stepped into the realm of God's present, past, future, and unending existence, you will realize that time as we know it is nothing. You will have an encounter that goes on in human time for 10 hours and to you, you were there for 10 minutes. You will understand that there is another realm that exists where all the things we know begin to, they begin to collapse and it becomes a world and a realm that is just like flat where all things are happening at the same time in one moment you can hear the voice of God and in the same instance you can see the events of humanity and at the same time you can see the future of somebody you love that realm does exist it says but there was a moment when time began time as we know it day night morning 
But before that thing happened, God existed. Why am I saying this? So that you would understand who you are. He said because he has placed his nature inside of you. So this is the nature of the person that you carry. He's a person that started before time started. So when you talk about yesterday, today, tomorrow, you are not really talking about yourself. You are talking about a tool that was given to you to enable you establish the mandate of the one that lives inside of you. So time is not really a limitation for man. Time is not really a limitation for anybody who carries the life of God. There are events that can happen to you in time that can be reversed by the eternal God, even in time. How can a person who was molested and raped ever have life again? Are you sealed into the event of time? Can you not break out of the consequences of that which happened to you yesterday? In the beginning, the eternal one, he created a world and he locked the world into a concept called time. And what is time? Time is is the fabric and is the container that holds the process and the experience and the events of the eternal God because with him all things are yea and amen they happen at once and in a moment but then he has created a set of people who have to walk as he walk know as he know act as he acts but they cannot become that because he simply bestowed it to them they must live it out and in order for them to live it out he needs to give them time so that they can have yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it gives them the opportunity to play out the events and to come into knowledge. When we get back to the tree in the garden. So when you think about time, it's a gift. But when you think about death, it's not a curse. Because it is part of God's rescue plan for humanity after they fell. Without death, we'll be sealed in the eternal existence of sin and brokenness. But with death, we have the opportunity to be rescued. And then the opportunity to live out the initial life once again. So, the way a baby is formed in the womb of a mother. And she is carried for nine months and it's been crafted and it's been molded and it's been put together and the fabric by which it can exist in the world that is to come is being added to the child when the child comes out on the other side there is a cry because he's not used to this realm but you see every single thing that he experienced in the previous realm in the womb was what prepared him to be able to exist and to manifest fully in this realm that is the same way that life and the earth is the womb of eternity and it is in this world that we are being crafted we are being put together we are being molded and the fabric of eternal life is being groomed in us through time so that when we step out of the barriers and the boundaries of the darkness of time we step into an eternal life and an eternal existence you need to understand until the snare of death is broken from you you cannot fully walk and exist in the power of eternal life 
until the snare of death is broken from you. There are some realities of your faith that can never be made manifest. There are some degrees and levels of power that you can never come into because you are continually limited in the mindset of death. It's not really true. The barrier. It's not really true. It's a lie of hell. The moment you come into this understanding, it will bring perspective to you. Holiness and righteousness will no more be a struggle to you. Because you see, the effort you put into a thing is determined by what you see as the quality of the thing to you. So if you are able to see eternal life and living as the ultimate quality or the highest quality, it will determine the actions you take, how you feed it. The reason why you feed sin and the flesh is because the pleasure of it is the ultimate reality. But I tell you that there is another kind of pleasure. It is the hope of a life that is to come. It is a hope of being liberated from the limitation of this clay vessel. To be able to express the fullness of that which you sense in dreams, in visions, in prayer. There is another kind of satisfaction. And it drives you to feed the life of the spirit. It makes it impossible for you to give yourself to a low level living of darkness. There is a reality. And you have to embrace it. It will determine everything you do. It will determine the way you love. It will determine the way you forgive. It will determine everything you do. The way you give. Your steadfastness. Your loyalty. Your kindness. It will determine everything. You know. I was talking to somebody some days ago. And I said. I think I'm iron deficient. I need to go do a test. I'm always feeling, you know, weak and all. And I looked at my son. I said, Chai, it was when I conceived you. That's when this iron deficiency thing. That I said, just look at you. Walking, he's walking, running about, running with all my calcium, my magnesium, my iron. Just look at it. Collected all the nutrients from my body. But alas, he is running and strong, very strong boy. Johnson came out strong, small, but caca, like native chicken. Johnson, but me, he took everything from inside me. What's my point? Do not underestimate the experiences of this life that nourish your spirit. Because you see, when you come out on the other side, what will give you the strength to run around like Judah? To reign and to rule with him at the very things that have been crafted into your DNA while you were here. Do not think that the sacrifices you make, the efforts you put in here, do not give you a position in the life to come. Do not be deceived. We are moving from glory to glory. Do you understand? 
the concepts and the principles here do not end here. This is a manual for all eternity. So, as you are a babe, so shall you be there. As you grow here in your pastoral anointing, so you will be when you get there. It is a continuous existence. It is not we end, we start there. We continue. Do you understand? So in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, Pimo, don't be giving me topic that is for one month. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, you know, he began to talk to man. He said, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue the earth. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God says, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, you, to you it shall be for food. And God goes on and on. I love it when God speaks. I love it when God speaks. Every word from his mouth is like a million sentences. If you take one word, ah, every time I read Genesis, I'm like, ah, ah, we're not going to come up for Genesis. He's here. We die here. Eh? Anyway. So God made man in his image. Let me tell you something about image. In the realm of the spirit, image is not the way we know it here. Like when you say image, you're like, <laughs> image, she's a slay queen, a fine girl, nice looking, something very chic like that. You know, that's not image. In the spirit, your image represents your authority. Your image represents that which you carry, that which you exert, that which you have conquered, that which you will conquer. Your image is who you are. Do you understand? So when he says he created them in his image, so that for every time that the eternal ones behold man, they see an expression of the fullness of God. They see the possibilities of God's existence in a clay vessel. So when he says God made them in their image, when he says God made you, I need you to understand. You see, when you understand this, no matter what happens to you in the flesh, no matter what happens to you in the body, it can never qualify the nature that is in you. You would understand that it is only a human fleshly experience you are going through. But the quality of the person that is inside you does not change and is not subject to the experiences of your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It says he made them in his image. But he did not only make them to look like kings and royals, but he also put the nature that makes it possible for the image to carry that power and influence. He also gave them that nature. 
So that it is normal for man to walk as a king. It is normal for man to walk in dominion. It is normal for man to be creative. It is normal for man to be loving. He gave them the nature so that they are not actually appearing as false. You know how it is where you create an image but you don't really have the content. And it begins to affect your character. And you are fluctuating. People are like, hey, but she looks like a king. But why is it that when you come near her, she behaves like a king? Mm-mm. He made it possible so that when you encounter them, they don't only look like him, but they act like him. Why did God do that? You know, I've been asking God the question about this earth. You need to understand that you are right in the middle of one of God's greatest assets, the earth. Because when you look at the universe and science, they have been going, having all kinds of experiments back and forth, trying to understand why have they not found life? Why they have they not found life on any other planet? Why are they not able to find a planet that has the kind of constituency that Earth has? If you know the calculation that goes into the existence of this world, how with just one degree out of place, the Earth can collapse and everything will burn. Think about the intentionality involved in the creation of the world that you have been given custody over. The vastness of eternity, the vastness of space. Yet there is just this world. And the Bible, when you look at the whole pre-Adamite age and then now, you realize that, okay, there was a time when it existed, it was, you know, it was destroyed. But God came back again created it again and then the flood and he came back again restored it again and we know that once again it will be destroyed and once again it will come back what on earth literally what is it about this earth to tell you the truth I don't know but I have a very funny feeling that it is right in the center of the heart of God there is a war over the property called earth and God has made you a guardian and a custodian. He made you so powerfully a guardian that he had to give you his nature so that you can keep it. You can tend it. So when you think of yourself, you need to think of yourself in light of a mandate. You know, what the world does is it reduces everyone to one mission, which is survival. That's what the world does to you. He reduces you to the mission of survival. And as I will take you back to the tree, you would understand where the concept of rich and poor, where it came from. Where the concept of hustle to survive. The whole idea in our minds, where it all changed. It wasn't a curse. It was an effect. So in Genesis 2 verse 9, we see God speaking and he says, or let's start from verse 8. He says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man. What, how much time do I have? Okay. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and is good for food. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was also in the midst of the garden. The Bible didn't say the two trees were standing side by side though. It said it was in the midst of the garden. So we don't know whether one was in Agege and the other one was in California. But it was sure. They were both in the garden. But he says that all the trees that were in the garden were good for food. And all 
the trees in the garden were pleasant to the sight. Do you understand? So when Eve ate the fruit, it was not only because, because all the trees were good for food and pleasant to the sight, but there was one thing about that other tree. It was profitable to make her wise. That was the key. Not just the good for food, because every other tree performed that. Now, it says, there were two trees that are very critical, that God caused to stand out. He says there was one that if you eat it, you will die. And then there was another one. He didn't quite tell us, tell Adam initially what that one was for. But you know, he says, but the one tree that he did tell him not to eat of was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he didn't tell him not to eat of the tree of life. You know, in the past couple of months, I have come to realize that the reality of Adam and Eve constantly plays out in our lives on a daily basis. Even though that garden was physically sealed, as it were, it continued to exist. The spirit of the garden continued to exist throughout humanity. Because you see, that garden was an opportunity for man. When God created Adam and Eve, the other part of the earth existed in its brokenness or whatever it was. But he made this place, this place that was an example and that was, um, should I say, an image of what he wanted Adam to recreate all over the earth. He would never have told him replenish it if the earth was not depleting. He would never have told him subdue it if the earth was not going to revolt against man. So in the midst of the mandate was a prophecy. So God is never taken aback by any option in life that you choose. So in that garden where the two options I have placed before you life and death. But I will advise and counsel you. Choose life. However, if you choose death, I will I already have a plan and a mechanism in place by which you can return to the option of life. The tree is constantly before us. Daily basis. But you see, the thing about the choice is that it's so delicate. You can almost miss it. So delicate. What was wrong with Eve knowing good from evil? After all, has the Bible not now said that those of us who by reason of use have exercised our senses so that we can discern good from evil? Are we not back at the same place? But we are back by reason of the process of exercising of the spirit. So they wanted to arrive there without process. Forgetting that the purpose of time is process. Do you understand what I'm saying? The purpose of time is process. So they were going to break the foundational principle of the existence of this realm. Which is time. I'm speaking to you today. So that in case you are sitting here and you are considering killing yourself, 
by reason of an experience that you have gone through hear me it is the qualification of the authority that you are supposed to walk in so they stand before the street and there is the option of knowing let me read certain things to you when he speaks about the tree of life the word life is ka I hope I pronounce it right in Hebrew it means living, alive, green, flourishing fresh, lively, active, reviving as a masculine noun it means um, life or that abstract emphatic um, life sustenance, maintenance then feminine noun it means a living thing, an animal, life appetite, revival, renewal community when he spoke about the tree of life, it was talking about that which makes human beings human. The renewal, the community, your, your appetite for the things that are right, that are true. So the more they ate of the tree of life, the more they grew in the nature of humanity, which is really God's nature. And the whole essence of that was they should live in that nature continually and perpetually. Because the more you eat of the tree of life, the more you are extended in that life. But you see, the more in the day you eat of the tree of the... Let me go into the meanings first. Now, um, good means good, pleasant, agreeable, pleasant, agreeable, um, excellent, rich, valuable, esteemable, you know better, best, prosperous. <laughs> it speaks about prosperity, wealth, benefits, all these things that we now esteem today were the very things, these principles that are breaking the world were the principles that Adam and Eve activated the moment they ate of that tree. Before they came, we would never have estimated life or the value of life based on money, based on things like esteem. This one is greater than this. This one is better than this. This is that. No. That's why when we get to heaven, such things will not exist. It's not going to be a product of how much money or wealth you have. That's why the, 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 the kingdom we are coming into, that's not the currency. It is the currency or the value are things like obedience, understanding, revelation, submission, kindness, love. Those were the very principles that they broke out of the world when they activated the tree of the knowledge of good and evil without process. Because you see, when you go through process with God, you can have money, but you will never qualify yourself based on the money. When you go through process with God, you can have a friend who is poor and you will honor and respect that person because your estimation and your value system is not the same as the world. That was the way that God wanted man to grow. But you see, that nature was called, cut and it was halted by reason of what they ate. Now, we usually say, you know, man disobeyed God, man disobeyed God. So it's almost like, you disobey me. This is the consequence. You are going to die. You are going, mm -hmm. God is not like that. Oh. He's not like that. Oh. He doesn't need any of us to qualify him. You obey, oh. you know, obey. Oh. Do you understand? He's God. Do you, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? His position is not changing. The only thing that could have, you know, how do they speak? The shaking or that would have, I don't know him, is when Christ became man, 
It was such a risk. Putting his full authority, he says, the fullness of the Godhead made bodily. And he was living and existing in the reduced version of life. That's why the Bible says he humbled himself. Because our state is a humiliating state right now. So it was humiliation for him to become human in this current human state. And then he went through the process. What if for Gethsemane, Jesus said, ah, oh my God. How they do? Kill me. Do you understand? But you see, this thing is hard. What if Jesus did that? Do you know what has happened to the fullness of the Godhead? But right there in that garden, once again, in a garden, death came. And in a garden, the choice of life came. Do you understand? So this garden is constantly before us. Right there in that garden, Jesus picked a different tree. Jesus said, I know what the effect of this choice is. It is that I'll be beaten. I'll be broken. I'll be humiliated. I'll be put to shame. I'll be laughed at. I'll be spat on. There'll be stripes on my back. They will spit at me. They will call me names and laugh at me. I know. But the knowledge of good and evil is not enough. There is another option of life. Life, life. It may look stupid to the human understanding. It may look poor to human understanding. It may look crazy. It may look like you've lost your mind. But life, life. This tree is what seals me in the nature of you, oh God, forever. And so it may hurt my flesh. It may break my flesh. It may cause me to be afraid. But I will choose life. I would not esteem my need to be right above my need to be just. I would not esteem my need to be safe above my need, oh God, to sit and reign with you. I would not esteem my desire to exist in this life above my desire to never die in you. Shagele do make a liba kuta lede betoza diala hai. Shakadam baleke tuzai. The moment one man made a different choice, malo kopa sateya. Hele do pakasa. He opened the gate so that many more men can make the same choice. He opened the gate so that many more men can have the grace to choose God above the need for them for their physical senses to be activated. He opened the gate for men to have revelation and understanding about a life that exists beyond this life because the choice that he made was not bound to his flesh. The choice that he made was bound to a hope and a joy that he was expecting but was not physical. Right there in that garden, Jesus tore the veil. He tore the darkness that covered humanity when Adam fell. Right there in that garden, Jesus ripped apart the shadow and the darkness that made man to run around and to fall and to stumble. He broke the tons and tissues that made it impossible for man to subdue the world and to walk in the authority that he was called. One choice produced eternal life for everyone to benefit from one choice. 
Jesus, we salute you. Jesus, we salute your choice. Jesus, we salute your leadership. Jesus, we salute your decision making. Jesus, we salute your steadfastness. Jesus, we salute your consistency. Let your life settle in us, Jesus. Selende kemanda ni basukre gadi. Alelele maruka sakaba dele no moska palidi. Jesus. Hmm. We continue. Evil, which is Ra, it speaks about unpleasantness, disagreeable, malignant, displeasing, worst, unhappy, depressing, wickedness, unkindness, vicious, in disposition when God said to man because of what you have done because of the choice you have made because you refused to put down your need to sustain yourself your need to be your own Lord because you did not allow yourself go through process and to be humble to allow yourself be processed into the authority. Rather, you wanted to get it in a moment of time. He said, because of what you have done, you have opened a door. And this door has unleashed and exposed the world to certain things. Unpleasantness, unkindness, pain, anger. All these emotions are flooding in and they are coming in like a wave. He says, Adam, because of this, the very world that was subject to you, that follows your authority, this world is now replicating your action because you are now walking in the reality of these emotions. This world is going to give you that same reality because the world is connected to you. You are its leader. You are its pastor. So as you go, it will go. So the moment you open this door, the earth began to experience it too. That's why even the earth is also groaning and waiting for its redemption. Because when you fell, it fell. So that's why Adam, when you leave this place, you are going to face tons and tissues. I am not cursing you. I am telling you that the brokenness you are experiencing now in yourself that is making you cover yourself, making you defend yourself, making you uncomfortable with Eve, the earth is experiencing that same emotion. So the earth before that will give you fruit. The moment you put seed inside, the earth will begin to fight against you and begin to defend itself against you too. It's not a curse. It's a reality. I'm only giving you information so that you will not be surprised when you live here. Eve I told you from the beginning multiply he says but by reason of what you have done your ability to bring forth 
to cause a thing to come out of you, which should be your natural way, is now going to be painful. Not because I am cursing you, but because it is no more the nature you should have does not come naturally to you again. It is now in pain that you will bring forth the things that should have come with ease. Take it back to your own life. For every time that the Lord commands you and the Lord places before you principles, the Lord places before you options, the Lord places before you his ways and you revolt. Let me explain to you, you see what you see in Adam and Eve are the very things you would experience in your life. So the moment tongues and tissues are growing, don't roll from pastor to pastor. Oh, deliver me. Oh, pray for me. Go back into your garden and repent. Go back into your garden. Don't run from the voice of God. Don't say, oh, just raise prayers for me. You go back and talk to God yourself. Oh, Lord, I have sinned. What if Adam, as soon as he realized what happened, just sat there, started shouting, God, oh, I don't understand what's happening to me. I'm seeing things that I did not used to see. Hey, the girls that I used to see before as my sisters, when I see them now, all I'm seeing is, yeah, Jesus, Shanda Kahaya. Mean I used to have a decent heart, but my God, yeah, pornography, my hey, God, supposed to dressing up the weakness dressing up the struggle as though God's eyes cannot penetrate beyond the flesh what if Adam sat there crying out to God and saying God something has changed something has changed something has changed I am no more the man I used to be I don't have the fire I used to have the kindness in my heart is not there anymore. The peace, I don't feel it anymore. My God, where is the life that you gave to me? God. The outcome could have been completely different if that was Adam's reaction. In your life today, I don't know what the circumstances are, but I'm telling you, the best option is to run back to God. The place where you fell. The place where you were broken. The place where you lost the life of liberty. Run back there. Cry out to that God again. Cry out to that God. Ah, my time is up. And I was just still doing definition. to go. Pastor Moses will do part two. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. We'll do part two. Let me just read out these things quickly. Eternity that God gave to man comprises... No, there's no need. There's no need. Um, okay. Um, but one of the things that anyway that so eternal life basically 
is not a place that you're going to. It's a person that you have. It's a person that is woven into your nature. You can awaken him or you can awaken the flesh. The moment God made man from clay, it was a risk. It was the speaking of redemption of the earth or the possibility of the fall of man. He made man from the dust of this earth. And remember, it was the earth he wanted to redeem. The Bible says, I beheld cells and falling like lightning from heaven. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. So he had fallen. The spirit of rebellion from Lucifer was already on the earth. And God made the earth. But then he put a guardian and a custodian to redeem the earth. And bring the earth into subjection. But he made the guardian and the custodian from the nature of the earth. But he put inside him the spirit of the redeemer. So when you looked at man from heaven, he was both the conflict and the solution. He was both the, the one to be redeemed and the one that we redeem. So inside of man was the eternal play of God's decision to save the earth. He was made of the clay that needed redemption, but he carried the life that will redeem the earth. So in that very creation of man, laid all the possibilities. So when I talk about this tree, and you say, ah, but the garden does not exist. It is existing in your nature. But you have the ability, because who you carry is greater than what you are. You have the ability to put this under subjection. When you carry this person, it changes your perspective on love, on people, on time, on purpose, and on pain. God is calling us once again to stir up the reality of this life. To stir up the reality of this perspective. The things you don't want to do, your flesh will desire to do them. And the things you want to do may seem the hardest for your flesh to do. And I'm not talking about just sex. I'm talking about the words in your mind. But remember, this understanding should bring government to you. You can't trade something this great for something this small. When you understand this, you will see this at play throughout scriptures. You would understand the story of Esau and Jacob all over again. The power of choice begins from perspective. Jacob understanding that there is a life that was locked in my grandfather that I saw exhibited in my father. Now it's about to go to only one of us. I have to be the one to take it. He gave up everything. The safety of his house. The friends he had. The love of his mother. 
the convenience of day-to-day life, he gave it all up that he may apprehend the life, the life that carries the blessing. You see, initially he didn't even understand. But when he got to Peniel, the hold of knowledge and of good and evil was broken from him. And he understood that in this life, yes, I will get wealth, I will get money. But there is something else that this life is. It is a nature and is the nature of Israel. In Peniel, it was birthed in him afresh. People of God. Pastor Moses will do part two. In part two, I will go deep about explaining the texture of eternal life. The fabric of time and the reality of space differently. So that when you see somebody walking on water tomorrow, you will not say, Jesus, oh, make it a God. No. There is an understanding of why man can ride above the laws of nature. Because we're not subject to them. They are subject to us. So that we can fulfill our mandate of redeeming them. So the reason why we have to get to this place is because the world is fast moving to that place. Satan understands. He gets it. That in order for man to walk in the authority that he has, he needs to come into this place where he understands that his reality is beyond what is obvious. So every day he's fighting. What do you think this whole COVID thing is about? To reduce you to the point of your humanity. Where you wake up afraid that the flesh may die. Where you are moving around and all you are thinking about is how to save yourself. It's drawing us back to the place of self, 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 self. And every time your actions and decisions are driven solely by self, you die. That was what happened to Eve. Survival. So it is a fight against the nature of God in you. They are fighting it, fighting it, fighting it to the point where you don't realize that there's even a tree to choose from. You don't even know anymore. So I'm not saying it's not real. It is real. And the way I explained it to some people, I said, Jesus came walking on water, but he didn't tell all of them, let's all walk on water and be going. Because he understood that they had to grow to the point of being able to operate in that kind of power, but they had not gone through the process to arrive there. So you cannot force people and say, because of faith, everybody, let's walk on water, they will drown. So we don't have all have the ability to say, you know, we have power over Corona. People never prayed for 20 minutes before. Or can all hold prayer for 24 hours? Of course not. So wear your mask. We all wear a mask. But cover your mouth. But don't cover your mouth. In your mind, retain the knowledge of the life that you have. The prince that you are. The realm you operate from. But you see, as we do part two, you begin to realize that eternal life is not just that feeling that used to make people fly in space, but it's actually a mindset. It's a way of thinking, evaluating, and creating. So, we'll go there next time. But Father, in the name of Jesus, 
we pray that you will break down the walls that separate us from the reality of who you are that you will shatter God shatter God shatter God the stiffness in our hearts that make it impossible for us to access this the, the, the reality of this life the reality of this life that dwells in a place of extreme vulnerability to your spirit that dwells in a place of extreme submission that dwells in a place of weakness of the flesh but life of the spirit break it down break it down break it oh god show us once again a reason why we should go beyond ourselves show us once again a picture that is greater than where we are open our eyes once again to know why we entered this kingdom and what exactly we are fighting for keep our eyes on the target do not allow us lose perspective help us oh god to run the race that is set before us to run it diligently and circumspectly as why give unto us oh God feed us once again with nourishment from the tree of your life feed us once again with nourishment from the tree of communion and fellowship with you help us oh God to submit ourselves to the process of our lives help us not to elevate our knowledge of how our lives should be above the knowledge of the process you have set for us in time Jesus we know that there is a door on the other side and we know that you are the door and you stand and you wait for us to deliver us oh God from this body of shame and to bring us into the fullness of that which we have merely touched as a little tiny substance Father keep us hungry Keep us desirous. Keep us focused. Keep us grounded. Keep us rounded. Give us shepherds who can teach us your word. Give us hearts that can hear. People who are peaceful and peaceable. People who love the way you love. Help us not to raise false governments after our own heart's desires. But prune us, change us, enlighten our darkness, give us strength. We submit to you, O oh God, the process of our lives. And once again, as a church, we say we trust you. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord and King. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.